And welcome to another edition of Let Me Tell You Something during our year-long Meltzer five-star project as myself, Lorca Mullen, and my co-host, Simon Cross, have been watching every match that we can get our hands on that Dave Meltzer of the Wrestling Observer has rated five stars or higher. And this is uh, the 60th episode, so another landmark being met. If it were a woman until quite recently, it would be about to claim its state pension. But it's not like that anymore. Boy, does my mum remind me of that. I wondered where that was going. (laughs) But anyway, what we are talking about is a match, uh, one of the uh, matches with the most participants. Uh, It definitely ranks amongst them uh, as it's a 10-man tag team contest. We'd have plenty of two-man tag teams and three-man tag teams, but uh, as I'm sorry, four-man tags and six-man tags. I think we've had one eight-man tag in the War Games match of 91. But this yes. is our first 10-man tag without the confines of a War Games cage around them. And it's our one and only match from... Wasn't our AAA uh, eight-man? It might have been. Yeah. It might have been. I cannot be asked to look it up. I think it is, so we'll go with that. Oh, and if you... No, it wasn't. It was a six-man. Damn it! <laughs> but anyway, thanks for that little distraction... I've got all my notes in front of me as we're covering Michinoku Pro Wrestling, the one and only match that this promotion put on that got the full five stars from Dave Meltzer. And it is a match between the good guy team of Super Delphin, Gran Hamada, Gran Naniwa, Masato Yakushiji, and Tiger Mask 4, the current incarnation of Tiger Mask, obviously the longest serving incarnation as well. And they are taking on the super faction, the top heel faction of Michinoku Pro, Kaiantai DX. The DX standing for Kaiantai Deluxe. It was actually a few months before the Degeneration X turned up. So one... Kaiantai, obviously, a word with um, industrial military uh, connotations, as it was like the name for a force um, designed to strengthen Japan standing in the world post-World War II. I did not know that. But I will give you a bit more Kai and Tai info after this rundown of the team of Kai and Tai. They are Dick Togo, Men's Teo, Shiryu, the masked member of the team who would later go on to great success in the likes of WCW and All Japan. Well, I won't say great success, but different success. Uh, as Kaz Hayashi, without the mask. And SmackDown's number one announcer... Shofunaki. Indeed. Dressed as a mint humbug. Yes. So, uh, yeah, to give you some ideas about Kai and Tai, we would see them make their mark in the US over the next couple of years. Obviously, most famously, they were a part of the WWF during the Attitude Era. 
First as an invading six-man force of Teo, Funaki and Togo taking on their de- the Taka Michinoku, who had departed Michinoku Pro Wrestling a few months before then to become the first WWF Light Heavyweight Champion when they reintroduced that division as a reaction to WCW's success in the Cruiserweight division. Michinoku himself would eventually join the group, making them a four-man faction. Uh, but after a few months, Togo and Teo headed back to Japan and... Kai and Tai continued as the tag team of Michinoku and Funaki for quite a few years, doing their dubbed promos, uh, you know, WWE ever the culturally conscious people. At the <laughs> same time, Jerry Lawler constantly confusing them for being Chinese instead of Japanese. Jesus. And all going on until Taka Michinoku also left the promotion, and Funaki just sort of became a... Um, a popular mascot within the promotion for the rest of this time was brought and still employed by the WWE to this day. I believe yeah. he's a he's a close neighbor of Steve Austin. Genuinely, like he's good friends with Steve Austin and just generally well liked amongst the entire uh, promotion, and will often be like the um, the appointed uh, concierge for new Japanese talent. So he's probably been helping Kushida out most recently. Yeah, used to life in the US. Makes sense. And um, he seems to enjoy his commentary role as well. He, like, he's a man who doesn't seem jaded by wrestling he after seems, this time. He seems a happy guy. <laughs> yeah. But I wonder he's if he's a, scared of spam like Sigiri is. Maybe. But he is a... Uh, not a cowardly heel, but a very dickish heel in this match. Now, Simon, you've had your issues with some junior heavyweight Japanese wrestling so far in this... Uh, series. It, whilst you've taken greatly to the King's Road All Japan style, the other most popular style of the tape trading world, which were these high-flying junior heavyweight matches being t- taking place in New Japan, uh, WAR, and Michinoku Pro and other promotions, has been something you haven't taken that kindly to so far. Most uh, famously, probably so far, your quite controversial dismissal of the great Sasuke versus Wild Pegasus match. But also, uh, you didn't have much to s- that was kind to say about the uh, El Samurai Jushin Liger match either. Both events also taking place at this same venue of Sumo Hall. So just all that connective tissue. Did this match do anything to dissuade you of these, <sighs> I don't want to say prejudices, but let's say prejudices. Wow. Um, oh, it's difficult. I've really struggled with how I assess this match after watching it. It's the one I've had the greatest like moral debate. Moral. <laughs> not, mor- not moral debate. More so the- than Wild Pegasus Chris Benoit. Well, no, because I knew where I stood there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, it's weird because like for the first 10, 15 minutes, I was like really into this and it's like, oh, this is great. Hmm. And then the same sort of stuff just kept happening now- for a very long time. I have to say I, I disagree with you a little bit there in that the first 15 minutes or so I wasn't greatly loving, but I much preferred the second half of the match. Mm. Uh, one thing that is also obvious is that this is really... What is so um, noticeable about this match is how so many aspects of wrestling that have been popular over the past 5, 10, 15 years were converging and how they would, after this match, split out into various areas where the influence was fed. Because if you look at this match, you can see a lot of 
the Jap Lucha style, which continues to dominate junior heavyweight wrestling for the next few years. You can see the uh, elements of that super crazy Yoshihiro Tajiri ECW style. And you can also see the indie style of pro wrestling. Most specifically, you can also see the uh, inspirations that Chikara would take from this sort of stuff. Uh, the characters are becoming more cartoonish and ridiculous, which will grow on as time goes on in promotions such as Osaka Pro Wrestling. And comedy is starting to slightly be introduced into this, which is now a mainstay in pro wrestling now. I don't yeah. say that there are comedy spots, but there are moments of um, humour in the match, I would the, say. Especially uh, with the Grand Naniwa character. The Krabby Elbow. Yes. Yeah. So now you know where... Uh, What's his face got it from? Yeah, Martin Kirby. Martin Kirby, yeah. His little Grand Naniwa tribute. And Dr. Zoidberg tribute as well. (laughs) Ah, it is a great move to get the crowd involved, just purely for the the Zoidberg-esque chance you get now. Um, Ah, it's... It's weird. Um, they're They're all really great athletes, and there's not... Really, a, I don't have any problem with any of the execution of the moves. I just one, I think it was too long. Um, I think it's an issue where because there's so many people that want to get, they need to all get stuff in. You know, it's the match goes over thirty minutes, but if you work it out that there are five people in a team, each wrestler on average is probably only wrestling for about six minutes in this whole match. Yeah, and obviously um, that's before you factor in being on the defensive, being on the offensive. Mm. So actually getting your shit in is quite hard to do. Mm. Um, but no, um, I did I did see your point after the match about, especially to, more towards the indie sort of stuff, but I can see how this match, what its cultural significance is. If you watch a lot of Chikira, uh, Chikira, I'm saying that right, aren't I? Chikara, Chikara, sorry, Chikara. I was saying Chikira, Chikira. Um, Chikara... Especially the King of Trios tournament. You can see a lot of that in this. And what's, uh, what you should take into account as well is that the story of the promotion at this time. This is the third anniversary show that they're mm. putting on. Pretty much the biggest venue they ever wrestled. Because Michinoku Pro's business model was actually that they were essentially a regional territory. Whilst New Japan and All Japan would do the um they do the the tokyos and the osakas and and the kyotos and larger cities michinoku pro actually focused on smaller venues around the northeastern region of japan they were essentially a territory at the time and and obviously they had their focus on uh, junior heavyweight wrestling and also because the great sasuke was uh, heavily influenced by lucha libre wrestling they had colourful characters, colourful masks. The annual tournament in Michinoku Pro Wrestling at the time was a masked tournament where everyone involved would be a masked wrestler and the one who came last in the tournament would be forced to unmask. Oh, okay. So it was, again, it, it had that philosophy. And you look at Gran Hamada, who's by far the oldest wrestler in this uh, promotion, in this match, and a wrestler that Dave Meltzer always had a lot of time for, was very praiseworthy. I've said that he was one of the few men to adapt his style to the changing tides of wrestling. Like, he's Mm. 37 at this point. And he was one of the first people to graduate the New Japan Dojo back in the 1970s. 
That is mad considering the stuff he's doing in this match. Yes, because he adapted to the styles and was able to keep going. It helps if you're in multi-person matches so you don't have to carry it all the time. But he was someone that spent years and years in uh, Mexico. I think that's why he felt he he married a Mexican woman. His kids are half Mexican. Um, He... uh, his name, Gran Hamada, is great in uh, Spanish. He was named Great, great Hamada. Then. Yeah. And that's why he stayed there. And then when he came back to Japan in the 80s, he had to essentially create his own promotion of, of uh, that was a Lucha Libre promotion within Japan. So a key influential figure in this time period. Mm. Um, uh, would you say he like sparked or inspired people like Al Samurai and uh, I don't Liger. know how much he inspired them, but he was someone that they maybe admired. I don't know if he was someone that... I, I'm not <clears> sure. I don't know enough about his stature... Other than he's quite short um, <laughs> within the wrestling industry, <laughs> um, but I think he was respected. But he's not like a, a, a Hall of Fame member or anything like that, right? Um, but what? Uh, but yeah, this is just at the height of junior heavyweight wrestling's popularity in Japan. You've had the Super J Cup sell out the Sumo Hall twice in the <clears> past <throat> couple of years. The way that, and also it's a sign of how long this period has been influenced by because this show. Was called was nicknamed these days because they also brought in some classic, um, uh, legendary wrestlers, including having his final match in wrestling of all time, the Dynamite Kid, who was brought back. It's quite a tragic sight to watch. He's lost all of his muscle. He, he's he's barely can move. At one point, Sasuke tries to do a suplex with him, and in the move, Dynamite's telling him he can't take the bump. Jesus. Um, but they brought back Tiger Mask, the original Tiger Mask, Satoru Sayama. And so this was the first time they faced each other since, like, basically that match that we saw in uh, 1983. Oh, the yeah. very first five-star match. And how they pioneered this junior heavyweight style, and now we're seeing it coming to full circle, Come full circle 13 years later whilst they're having their reunion you've got these 10 younger wrestlers including a younger version of the tiger mask character yeah. he does little tributes to the tiger mask he does the feint with the 619 he also does a tiger suplex followed by a diving headbutt so he homages dynamite as well whilst he's doing it that's a nice touch mm. he um as well uh, obviously we've talked about that obviously where where it is in japan but don't forget it's expanding worldwide at this point well yeah this is something where people are starting to trade the tapes you know less than a year down the line the next year we see a six-man tag involving yakushiji gran hamada and the great sasuke against michinoku teo and togo at the first ecw pay-per-view barely legal and they steal the show essentially it's the it's. I would actually argue that's a better match than this one. It's a little bit more focused, although there is one blown spot in that match. But it helps having the great Sasuke there, and the 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 Kai and Tai have become BWO Japan, so they're walking they're <laughs> wrestling with Blue World Order tr- uh, shirts on and everything. And the the ECW crowd is just loving it. And the mat. I, the one thing I do remember, if you watch it, is the mat is mic'd up so loudly. It's crazy how loud it is, but it sounds great when they're taking all these bumps in the ring. And uh, that's, that's probably just like Paul pace. just wanting to sound more extreme. Yeah, you know, maybe, devils yeah. of the detail. That might be why. Um, but yeah, we haven't actually talked that much about the match itself. Um, but already, one of the first things that you see is uh, the first two that started are Shuji Yakushiji, who's by far the smallest member of the uh, face side. Uh, taking on Dick Togo, the 
the larger, bulkier captain, it would seem, of the Kai and Tai team. He's and very they, stocky for like yes, a small man. Yes, and I really liked when him and Hamada were in the ring. They were the same sort of body type. I feel like they could have played up that interaction more. I wanted them to be sort of eternal rivals during the match in the way that like Kawada and Tawe were in those all Japan six man tag. Mm-hmm. Um but what they do do is um <laughs> do do. What they um what they do though in this is they do the indie stalemate spots. Which is what so many of these uh, matches do from 98 or 96, 97, 98 onwards, where they have that hip toss, hip toss, you know. uh, I remember Delirious parodying it in a match with El Generico. Then they do their, you know, their pose, getting ready to, you know, their combat striking pose they never pull at any other time in a match. And they stand off stalemate and the audience applauds them for their their hard-earned work. It's weird how these things work and then just become so cliche that you can parody them. Um, yeah, like in a recent Botchamania, I heard a clip from Dave Meltzer pointing out how overdone now the uh, close countout spot is done. Oh uh, God, yes, to the point that Jack Gallagher blew it and actually got counted out. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's just how obvious it is. Just at eight, they're just looking. But it's funny, like this is when you're seeing it at the start when it's new and exciting. Like cliches become cliches because they worked so well in the first place. Yes, but then they become overused. And so much of what they do now becomes maybe some of it becomes overused. But it, you know, like one thing that they're re- one thing that's also notable in the story of this match is that Kai and Tai are a team. Whereas the good guy side are a collection of individual wrestlers, very much a collection of like they they do a lot they do a little bit of double team stuff, but Kai and Tai the, the well they well, have their moves they have sequences yeah. that that that's when it really picked up to me around the thirteen minute mark when just suddenly Kai and Tai beat up Naniwa with a series of moves and elbows and like Michinoku and I think Funaki have a comp or it might have been Teo. Uh, have a combo as well that they do on the Niwa, and they all but they also do bits where they taunt him, where they get him in a like two of them get his arms so that he's bent over, and then Togo is able to jump on his back and pose on top of him. Yeah, which was something we actually saw in a in the triple A uh, triple uh, uh, six man tag as well. So again, it's that bringing in of the the Mexican influence, the lucha libre influence into the Japanese wrestling style. Mm. But that's when I really liked it, because for the first 10, 15 minutes, it's sort of doing that classic thing of, of large multi-man matches where it's like a minute with two people, they square off, maybe yeah. one gets the advantage, but then they both tag out and two other people do it, and then the next two, and then the next two. So everyone's got in and shown their stuff. But and maybe do, that's why... they break it up before the end of that, which I did like. Yeah. That they didn't get to do everyone. That it, like, at about the fourth person or something, it, it breaks down a little bit. Yeah. And maybe that's probably why I view the match on just slightly different lens than you. Is maybe I, as a, as a viewer, expended a lot of mental energy getting excited about just seeing the athletic endeavor in the first ten fifteen minutes, and maybe that's why I got a bit jaded by the time the match takes on a bit more of a team based slant. Mm. Maybe, maybe, <laughs> or maybe you just watch wrestling long. <laughs> <laughs> wow. <laughs> But yeah, they... One of the most subjective of art forms. <laughs> no, there's mathematical certainty to it, god damn it. This was four and a quarter stars at best. 
Uh, but yeah, the Kai and Tai just keep up the heel antics throughout the whole match. They they try to take off Tiger Mask's mask at one point and get really close to it as well. Yeah. Um, they do that. They do a little bit of the uh, what I like to call the briefcase fumbling though, where they get a bit further ahead than they need to. If you see what I mean, there, it starts yeah, to look yeah. a little too easy. So they go, oh, oh yeah, fingers. Uh, what did you think of one spot which incorporated like a classic Southern wrestling move? Which is where it was some of the Rock and Roll Express I remember doing to the Heavenly Bodies in a match, where the 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 baby faces get the legs of their two opponents and start rowing them like rowing oars. So they're essentially doing like a wishbone motion, yeah, and like te- you know, doing their groins in essentially. That was when I did it in like a squarey diamondy thing in the middle, and someone yeah. got hurricane. Yes, yeah, Super Delphin did a hurricane runner into the the middle of it, which is a, another move I've seen a lot of it uh, after that. Um, but yeah, then coming towards the end, there's the there becomes the uh, uh, yeah, D- Delphin gets wiped out by Kai and Tai, and they do another pose on him. Uh, Super Delphin, I actually, even though he was presented as the star, he was the last one that made the entrance, and he yeah. held that championship belt. I looked into it; he was holding that belt for like a uh, eight hundred days originally when he joined Michinoku Pro. It's a UWF belt. It's another one of those weird things where. A Japanese promotion inherits a belt from another promotion okay. and continues going on with it. Um, so he's like the perennial top guy, and he was like, I remember in the Super J Cup, out of all the guys involved, he was the one that impressed me the least with his. He was almost he was like a Tai Chi character, the way Tai Chi's presented in to me anyway in New Japan now. That he kind of almost by fluke was able to get past Shinjiro Otani in the first round. And just and then got outwitted by Gado in the in the quarterfinals. But then later on in '94, that he enters the best of the Super Junior tournament and actually reaches the final against Jushin Liger. So you know he had his he had his backers. He was yeah. booked, booked very strongly and would then go on to form the Osaka Pro Wrestling promotion, which took the colourful characters and the comedy elements even further and was basically a comedy promotion. That's where Ebisan, a.k.a. Kikutaru, became popular. Um, there were guys there who wrestled as dogs and, like, they, they literally oh, had yeah. dog costumes and, and very exaggerated characters there. <laughs> so that was something that, that Delphin obviously enjoyed with his weird pointy beak nose as well. Um, but yeah, I just think if you look at this, this is an interesting match to watch in its in its form as an influence, but I definitely don't think it's a five-star match. Yeah, no, I, I don't think it's five-star, but as I, I, I agree with you in terms of, like, I, you can clearly see patterns in today's wrestling from this match. I was just going to say as well, because you said you enjoyed the pairing off at the start, but did you not enjoy the pairing off at the end, when it's coming to the finishing straight, and then you get, like, Togo against Hamada, then you get Shiryu against Naniwa, then uh, Yakushiji against Teo and Tiger Mask against Funaki, and then Taka against Delphin. And each of them have their own like finishing straights that could have led to the pinfall. Yeah, I, I did I prefer, appreciate I the... I much preferred that to the first half of it. I did appreciate the near fall thing, but I, I think I was just burnt out from um, just that, the constant... Yeah. Yeah, know what I mean. Then, like the... You know, we, we were praising the All Japan six-man matches for having for keeping the pace going, so... Mm. What what's the difference there to you? Maybe they were keeping a lower pace. I think if you go too fast for too long, it's just a bit. There was a bit of an arcadey feel to it, you know, a bit like, not like a button basher, but like you know, like a Tekken or a Street Fighter feel to it. 
Well, like I said, I think that the influences would follow on from there. That would yeah. make it uh, that that would become a, a thing that you would associate with this sort of match. But like I said, the, the dynamic of the, um, the 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 tag team, the tag team of Kai and Tai working together, and also their heelishness leading to the finish, where Dick Togo, thanks to a low blow on Delphin, which is just something you didn't see in the Japanese wrestling that we're mm. watching, leads to them getting the pin, and I would assume that then Togo then goes on to challenge Delphin for his title at a later date. And of course, um, and then after the match, Great Sasuke calls on Jinsei Shinzeki, a.k.a. Hakushi, who started in Michinoku Pro before going to the WWF, and this was his big yeah. return match on the main event that night, taking on Hayabusa. They then went on to... Um, uh, they, 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 like Sasuke saying that Shinzeki, I need you in order for us to be able to defeat these guys, um, bring honor back to Michinoku Pro. He does. Um, but, okay. So yeah, um, I thought it was good. I definitely think it's worth watching, especially if you want to understand where so much of the stars of wrestling go forwards. This yeah. is a big one. Like it's in Michinoku Pro as well. That like Jody Fleisch got his first big uh, break in in Japanese wrestling. Um, start, and like tape traders starting to get these things. Uh, Christopher Daniels was made Curry Man in order for him to take part in that Master Man tournament. Ah, oh, that's why he became Curry Man. And let me just give you a tip: look up what happened to the dirt bike kid, a British wrestler from the late nineties, uh, and you want to see what happens if you cross the Great Sasuke. Uh, look it up; it's an interesting read. And also, one other thing I want to bring up: when we do later on get onto the Dragon Gate six man tag match, yeah, uh, that happened in Ring of Honor, which was one of the first, which was one of the few matches from the noughties that Dave Meltzer gives five stars to. Let's see, there are a total of six matches in the noughts that Jeez. Dave Meltzer gives five stars to. That is one of them, and so let you know. That will be the interesting one to compare where we've come from. So if you look at like looking at 1983, Tiger Mask Dynamite, how it comes to this, then look how it comes to Dragon Gate. And then from there, what we've got going on now in... Um, you can see a little bit of Kai and Tai in the Young Bucks, actually, can't you, really? Especially with the yeah. Muscle Man pose that Togo oh, yeah. does. Um, but yeah, in, in what we're seeing in AEW, the Young Bucks styles, and also um, the the... That Shima from that Dragon Gate promotion then goes on to form in uh, OVE or OWE, I think, whatever it's called in China, that are being brought into AEW as well. Oh, yeah. But anyway, if. And I'm assuming you're not giving this one five stars either, are you? No. No. But you're being a bit hard, kinder to it than you were. Yeah. yeah. I think it's because it's closer to what I recognise, okay. if you see what I mean. Yeah, fair enough. Well, if people want to get in touch with you, Simon, and give you some more tips on junior heavyweight wrestling to check out to soften your stance, how can they do so? Uh, people can get in touch with me on Twitter, where I'm so known as Simon Cross Free. Free for the number of times I said, are those claw hands? As, um, I can't, which one is he? Super Hyena was making his entrance? Uh, Grand Naniwa. Grand Naniwa. Sorry. <laughs> you should be. My name's Lorcan Mullen. That's L-O-R-C-A-N-M-U-L-L. A for God. There's no one in this promote in this game in this match that's got an A in their name. Taka. Oh yeah, A as in the A in Taka, and N as in Naniwa. Well, just turn around Naniwa. The first two letters of that. There you got Lorcan. <laughs> well, no, not when you got Lorcan, you got the A N in Lorcan. Anyway, that's my Instagram account, Twitter account, Facebook, Letterboxed. If you want to put an at gmail.com at the end of it, that's my email address. 
Our next episode, Simon, we will be doing another rundown, another debrief. We'll be answering questions, looking at alternative five-star match, and re-ranking our top ten matches to make a definitive five. But until then, with all that's left to say is, my name's Lorcan Mullen. My name's Simon Cross. Thank you for letting us tell you something. Have a five-star time. Until the next time. Let's talk about love.